0: Hey, welcome to Montaguey Skies, I'm Biggs. That's it, it's just me, just Biggs tonight. Not really though. So it's the summertime and Brandon and I are doing a commentary for Raiders of the Lost Ark on Biggs on Film, which should come up, I believe, on Thursday. So if you wanna check it out, Just subscribe to that feed. There's only four podcasts on it. I mean, they're all around two hours because they're commentaries, but you don't have to watch the movie while you're doing it. So it's pretty simple. You just put it in your ears and enjoy. But uh, me and Brandon are going to do a commentary. And man, I got a lot of info on Raiders. It's going to be fun. But anyway, uh, since we're doing that, we're not going to have time to record a Montucky Skies. And so I tried to get a hold of Zach and. Our schedules just didn't work out. It was kind of last minute for him. So, uh, But I really wanted to hear Zach's voice. So uh, instead of pulling an old episode of Montucky Skies, I am pulling... Well, okay, so here's the deal. I have done 11 podcasts all together um, that I've either been the voice talent on or produced. Uh, usually if I'm the voice talent, I produce as well. <laughs> but 11 podcasts, Real Roulette, and Skies are my absolute favorite. Like, I love Real Roulette. It was so hard and took so much time that we only got, I don't know, maybe 26 episodes. But if you ever want to go back to those, they're at realroulette.blogspot.com. Still there. They're not going anywhere. I'm not going to take the feed down. Uh, In honor of Zach, I'm going to throw that up for our summer rerun. It seems like we have one every year, so hopefully this will be the only one. But it's because you are getting content. Once again, check out Biggs on Film. Like, put it back on the feed. It'll be up Thursday and I'm going to try and get it a little more regularly. It'll probably be every couple of months still, but you know, it won't be a, a six month gap like it was this time. So enjoy. Welcome to Real Roulette with Zach and Biggs I'm Biggs And I'm Zach So today we do Planet of the Apes, the 1968 classic Yes Which we didn't plan to do right before the release of the, what, eighth Planet of the Apes (laughs) movie? Yes, eighth However, um, we clearly didn't do it on purpose because we would have done it around opening Yeah, Exactly If we were gonna fudge this, we would have at least tried to be a little
1: more synergistic in our fudging.
0: By the way, I was so excited after I watched this, I went to watch more Planet of the Apes movies on Netflix. No. Nope, none. Nope, they're not on there. I know, I went to look too. I was like, I might just marathon these fuckers. Yeah, not an option. I really, really had the urge to like just cut through everything except for Tim Burton's. I would have watched that too. <laughs> I might have watched it to be a completist, but I might have machete cutted that hey, it's too. Me. I'm
1: Mark Wahlberg. And
0: look at these fucking apes, right? Jesus Christ. Okay, since we're not really going to talk about that in this movie, you know what? I'd, fuck it. I'll save it for the end. We're going to talk a little bit about Tim Burton's remake in nice. the end. We're, we're going to talk about because I know we disagree. We'll talk about that a little bit, but we're going to focus on this
1: classic. I don't know that first. we disagree so much as we agree, but we've spun off in different directions in our agreement. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's begin at the
0: beginning as we always do with the trailer. It's a Heston discovers a world turned
2: upside down, where humans run wild in the jungles and the superior beings are apes. Planet of the Apes, a fascinating civilization where apes build the cities and control the laws. Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, and Morris Evans star in Planet of the Apes, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. Now playing in color, City wide. Oh, yeah, there's goosebumps all over. Neil Gary. Nineteen.
0: I like that end That is a great way to tie <laughs> things together I, I will always do a radio spot If I can find one Because it just translates better yeah. for the podcast So many times I do the trailers And they're just so visual anymore mm-hmm. Like they show the print up there Which I'm like how are kids supposed to know <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Come on rated R movie How are kids supposed to know what it's about <laughs> Anyway, so I, I love this movie. Me I absolutely too. love this movie. Just just to come out on Front Street here. So I originally saw this movie. I thought about this for a long time. I believe I was nine years old the first time I saw this movie. Um, I thought that I understood what it was about. Um, as an adult, having not watched the original Planet of the Apes for about fifteen years, but I watch it a lot from like mm-hmm. <laughs> from like age nine to to 20 I watched the shit out of this movie um, as an adult there was some themes that I picked up yeah. that I did not pick up when I was younger so it was a really fun watch again I also watched it with my kids to see their reaction and it occurred to me while I was watching it that A I've never seen it in, in widescreen mm-hmm. I, I hadn't realized until I was watching it, it looks
1: Beautiful, man. They did yeah. a great
0: job. The cinematography
1: is great. And then when you add the the upgraded definition and when you add the widescreen element, like it just looks so good.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. It looks way better. The other thing I realized is I apparently never seen an uncut version of this movie. I think <laughs> I saw it on TV a lot in like VHS, but I don't remember seeing Charlton Heston's ass.
1: Yeah, there's... But man, you see it a lot in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they there's a lot of man ass and there there are a couple scenes where it's hard to tell because it wasn't filmed in high definition, but it definitely looks like the costume designer did not put a lot of care into making sure the women's tops would fit right because there's a lot of adjusting as the women humans are running about. I will counter that by saying 1968 yeah that's true
0: (laughs) that is very true if you watch for example i'll just throw throw something out there if you watch original star trek for example you kind of know what i'm talking about (laughs) especially if you watch it in high definition so i'm going to start with an opening scene here this is charlton heston just talking to himself in his in his uh audio journal
1: before you start this when i was in high school i used this scene to uh, as an audition monologue so often like i love this scene can I get you to, uh, to monologue it afterwards and we'll do it as a sting Probably not because I don't have it memorized. If we, if we got the dialogue printed out, I could definitely do it. That's yeah, a lot of work. Never <laughs> right. mind. Just know that Zach did this at one point.
2: We're now on full automatic in the hands of the computers. I've tucked my crew in for the long sleep and I'll be joining them soon. In less than an hour, we'll finish our sixth month out of Cape Kennedy. Six months in deep space. By our time, that is. According to Dr. Hasline's theory of time in a vehicle traveling nearly the speed of light, the Earth has aged nearly 700 years since we left it. Well, we've aged hardly at all. Sounds so so
0: thrilled about that. (laughs) Six months
2: is probably true. The men who sent us on this journey are long since dead and gone. You who are reading me now are a different breed. I hope a better one. I leave the 20th century with no regrets. But one more thing, if anybody's listening, that is. Nothing scientific, it's purely personal. Seen from out here, everything seems different. Time bends, space is boundless. It squashes a man's ego. I feel lonely. That's about it. Tell me, though. Does man, that marvel of the universe, that glorious paradox who sent me to the stars, still make war against his brother? Keep his neighbor's children starving?
0: So, what's crazy about this monologue, too, and I guess it's not really crazy, but. I'm watching the movie from, like, nine-year-old Biggs' perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when you first watch this movie, you don't really realize that what he's saying
1: here is really what the movie's about. Yeah, it's essentially... It's about a couple of things, but... It's essentially, this is the thesis statement for the movie, and the rest of the movie is spent sort of extrapolating on this hypothesis. Yeah,
0: and it really bookends, too, when you get to the obvious ending, which, I mean, honestly, if you... I, I'm gonna say this right now before we go any further. Seriously, forget about Tim Burton's movie for a second. Like, if you have not seen the original one, do not listen to another second yep. of this podcast. We'll you still need, be here. Go watch it. You need to watch this pod or this uh, movie. Yep, it, it is important. It's an important movie. It's one of the greatest science fiction movies ever made.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it is amazing. You need to watch it this movie. It is so good. And there's one thing that bothers me. Everybody knows the ending of the movie at this point. Like it's, we've been so saturated with it right. in pop culture. That said, it's a real problem that on a lot of the re-releases of this movie on DVD and Blu-ray, the cover is him looking at the Statue of Liberty. Like That's a real problem. We can't yeah. have that. You know. You know why they do that, though. It's because it's iconic. Oh, it is iconic, and they're absolutely right. But like, even if we're working under the assumption, like I, st- I don't know, something about it just feels wrong. You know what I mean? Maybe
0: if they show That'd part be- of the Statue of Liberty, but it's like. No,
1: there's no way you can work it in without ruining it for somebody who doesn't know. If yeah, exactly, it'd be yeah, like if right. the DVD cover of Seven was just Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. <laughs> well, we didn't even get to see that. But <laughs> That's what, I, I, I get your point. Yeah, what's like, in the box? Or if the. Uh, The uh, cover, do it for me. Do it for me. What's in the box? I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like if Empire Strikes Back was the birth certificate for Luke Skywalker that says Darth Vader (laughs) in the father spot. Like, you
0: can't do that.
1: You know, when they filmed Empire Strikes
0: Back, nobody but Mark Hamill knew Mm -hmm. what it was. And they told him, like, on the set when they filmed it, like, they were like, okay, this is what he's really saying. Because what the actor, what James Earl Jones said at the time. Well, no, no, no. That's what David Prost said. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because they recorded James Earl Jones later, but yep. what was said on the set was not. Yes, it's not what we all know. But yes. that's that's a whole different science Luke, fiction movie. I fucked your mother while your father watched. <laughs> that's a much more sinister. <laughs> <style artist. laughs> Anyway, so back to this opening speech. So Charlton Heston is doing what Charlton Heston does best in this. And by that, I don't mean shill like rifles. What I mean, (laughs) this is like before that when he was slinging a rifle. Shilling
1: rifles is what he does second best.
0: Like he is chewing a cigar Mm -hmm. and chewing the scenery at the same time. He's on a spaceship. But you cannot tear his eyes off. Or your eyes off of him. No, he just like you hang on every word he says. Mm-hmm. He's got a delivery not unlike Shatner, but he actually has weight behind it. Yeah, which Shatner he has the gravitas, and he like also Shatner comes off as a ham. Charlton Heston is a ham, but. Damn, he is an entertaining ham to listen yeah. to. Now,
1: I, he's an he's a Easter ham, if you He will. is a full-on stuffed Easter ham. Stuffed with more ham. <laughs>
0: That's
1: right, and bacon. Yeah. What, what always intrigues me about Charlton Heston as an actor is that there's, he has so much machismo. Like he is a straight up macho man in every layer of his being like he cannot turn that off. And that's something that's sort of been lost. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I i'm okay with not having the super macho man in a lot of movies but i mean it is interesting when you see like some of like chris pine does not have the machismo that charlton heston brings no to projects like there is something inherently like alpha male about charlton heston that you don't see in a lot of actors i don't think you see
0: it in any actors anymore really i mean um stallone and schwartz liam Neeson and Liam Neeson yeah yeah. I mean yeah I guess there are a few there's a
1: few but it is dying out like for the most part like I love Chris Evans thank God for Liam Neeson dude yeah he's the one carrying on the flame like here. I love Chris Evans and I think he's a great Captain America but he doesn't have that like macho man no he's like, like he's like two foot four <laughs> He's, so they it, CGI'd him in every scene where
0: he's not playing the weakling.
1: <laughs> the reason I bring this up is mostly because that machismo throughout the movie really sells you on it. Like You have to believe that the, the Taylor character is like an alpha male manly man if he's to survive the world he's thrown into.
0: But the irony of this, and I like it because there are layers to this character for sure, mm-hmm. is that... He is so disgusted with yes, mankind. exactly. It's, it's, it's oozing in that speech that he's talking about. He is so disgusted that with mankind... He had to leave that the he Earth. he takes this trip to fucking leave in space and come back to Earth, like, what, a thousand years later? 800 years later, something like Longer. that? Longer. Like, way later. Just because he's so sick of, like, man turning on man, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, this is such a... a Counterculture movie. It really surprises me in retrospect that, like, super conservative. NRA like gun toting
1: Charlton Heston was in this movie and completely sells it like like you absolutely buy that this dude this is his moral code 100% like it's hard to imagine if all you know Charlton Heston from is this movie it's hard to imagine the Charlton Heston in real life
0: yeah and I'll be honest I'm not going to get like really political here I don't agree with what he stood for politically but it doesn't matter in yeah, this movie because he's an I'm,
1: incredible actor
0: yeah and you should you should be able to and the human race which is really what yeah. this movie is about yes. i mean right i mean this yeah. movie is an indictment on the human race yep
1: uh, the monkeys are no better than us yeah but. they exist solely as a metaphor for look all this has happened and it will all happen again and we're just fucking each other over non-stop and this movie holy shit does it go after something yeah some it does big pariahs
0: but we'll get to that as as we get there in the in yes. the movie so essentially he, he delivers this whole speech he winds up going into sleep chamber you see like a blonde in a sleep chamber dude i've watched so many messed up movies that just for a second i'm thinking like is he gonna feel her up that's <laughs> Creepy and I was like, oh nope, he's just nope. getting in the sleep. He's chamber. a good American boy. <laughs> uh they hang on the black dude for a while, I feel like, to be like, hey, look, like mankind's going out like mm-hmm. multiracial. It's like, the same wanna... thing
1: that uh Jesus Christ, I'm blanking on his Gene name. Roddenberry. Yeah, it's his same idea. Like yeah. by the time we can do this, it won't matter anymore.
0: Yeah. And they're trying to get that it's funny because they hang on the black dude a little too long yeah you know what i mean like it, it's,
1: it's it's just handed like, the way they do it but i get it, it was 1968 yeah. if that movie was a shot for shot remade now that shot would be a little shorter well and i feel like we sort of get it now so yeah. maybe they don't yeah yeah that's true <laughs> at all like, and it would be
0: Will Smith in the lead role, probably. Of course. Yeah. So there'd be two black guys. There'd be no reason to hang on the second black guy. <laughs> They'd hang on the white dude. For a <laughs> It'd be Steve Buscemi or something.
1: <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> well, that's quite the opposite of Steve Buscemi. It had to go the other way. You took the I'm just thinking,
0: route. okay, skipping ahead for just a second. I'm thinking if you're going to go and you're going to
1: lobotomize an actor. Uh-huh. Steve Buscemi is the better choice. Oh, see, my thought was, if you're going to go and lobotomize an actor, wouldn't you want to throw somebody like Liam Hemsworth under the bus?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I see your point. Okay, so before we go a little further into this movie, I just I almost skipped over it right away. We're getting to your no prize. Sir. Yeah, this one's early on. As I was saying before, Charlton Heston was chewing a cigar. I just had to add in chewing the scenery, so <laughs> I ruined the whole segue. <laughs> but he's chewing a cigar. He, why would you smoke in a spaceship that's filled with oxygen, and
1: pressurized? Like, yeah, that would like explode the ship. Okay, there's actually two reasons working in concert with one another. The first is that he's clearly a tobacco addict and addicts are known to do stupid things to get their fix. But the second larger reason I mean, you got to really read into the subtext of his monologue. This is a man so disillusioned with the world he came from that he doesn't really think this mission will be successful. And he has a bit of a death wish in him. We see throughout the movie, he gets himself into stupid situations because of his pride, his ego, all sorts of reasons. The man has a little bit of a death wish. And I think his thought was, well, this is going to go one of two ways. I'm going to smoke my cigar and be fine just this once, or I'll smoke my cigar and die. And who gives a fuck anyway? By the time I get home, no one I care about is going to be there. Who cares? Who cares? May as well take a risk. Mankind will hopefully be in better shape. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a and it, there's always the entire possibility that it's a grand plan. He convinces him. He convinces the the team to to endorse this mission to space, knowing that by the time the mission's over, mankind will have probably wiped themselves out. All he has to do then is endanger the crew on board and finish the job. By the way, if there's any college students working on a short. <laughs>
0: I, like, I will help fund a movie. Just put it through Kickstarter or something. I will help fund a short where you do Planet of the Apes, a shot-by-shot remake of the beginning scene until he lights a cigar and, and then it, it blows up explodes. the shit.
1: <laughs> Think of it, if you're working on a final or something. You've got a great... It's a chance. Twenty five seconds of monologue. That's the cheapest <laughs> exactly. movie ever. The, and it gives you a chance to I practice give you your After Effects u- work. Upwards of ten dollars <laughs> to film this. I'll match it and double it. I'd throw in twenty bucks if you cast me. Cardboard shit, tinfoil on the outside. <laughs> and it gives you a chance to really test out your After Effects program. Okay, so cutting forward. <laughs> <God> damn. <laughs>
0: Where else you get? Where else do you get people examine movies this, this close? deep? Yeah, this no is way. not the level you're going to get from your average reviewer or critic. That's right. The spaceship they're, they're basically in, in hyper sleep, which we will see later in the
1: Alien movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they get same technology. Yep. People don't realize it. Waitani Corp made that spaceship. <laughs> Waitani we, Corp. Yeah, I always say Corp. I don't know why.
0: Was it Waitani by that it's point? Defi-
1: I'm. Pretty
0: isn't it? Sure. What, isn't there a Y in there? Y- Yantush. Yan no, it's W E Y T A N I. Okay, so they're in the ship. It crash lands in the water. I believe Charlton Heston and. Landon and Dodge Landon and Dodge That's right The woman doesn't make it She does not make it She doesn't make it very, I wonder why she's the
1: first to go in this movie Honestly, the the reason is solely for the scene later on in the cages When he's talking to uh, Nova. Nova And I've he says I've become attracted to this female <laughs> Though I did not care
0: for love in the 21st century <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's solely to give him the pathos when he says like we can't Stuart was supposed to be our Eve. You're not as smart... Like, to sort of say, she had to die oh, for the relationship. The end of civilization. Exactly. Like, she has to die for the end of civilization and for him going after Nova to make sense. Because if Stuart survives, he would more than likely stick with her to protect her. Because you only need one dude. You gotta take care of the ladies. Yeah,
0: that's, that's pretty sound reasoning right yeah. there. Okay. It was
1: definitely intended by, by the screenwritings. I it might have been
0: sexist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't rule that out. I'm just trying to fill the blanks for them. Yeah, fair enough. If it was sexist, I just gave them an odd awesome awesome excuse (laughs) okay so they crash land the
0: water they come out they're trekking across dunes they're like it's just
1: wasteland just desert wasteland as far as the eye can see
0: this was something my kids brought up which for a second caught me because they were like why does he care about the water because they find a they find a stream Uh and i was like I don't know, and then like being a parent, you try and justify anything you see, uh-huh. much as you know prize everything. And I suddenly realized, oh, that must have been salt water. And in terms of like things we learn later, because he landed in the forbidden zone, as we'll find mm-hmm. out later. Yeah, it sure was salt water. That was, an, that was an ocean he landed in. Yeah. So they found a fresh stream. They immediately chuck off their clothes and go running in the water, which my kids found fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, God damn, 1968 PD. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to share a moment with my kids. And you and did. Introducing the planet of the Apes. That you know? moment had a bunch of ass. <laughs> it did. It had a lot of Charlton Heston Listen, ass. they're going
1: to learn about Charlton Heston's ass one way or another. It might as well be through me. (laughs) Exactly. So now anytime they think of Charlton Heston's ass, they'll think of you. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't just that one scene. They do it again (laughs) later. And I was like, God, man. Well, I mean, listen, if you had an ass like Charlton Heston's that you can bounce a quarter off of, you'd put it in every shot too. I don't question the decision. (laughs) I just
0: wish it wasn't there when I was watching my kids. That's all. Okay, so they find water. They're a little celebratory they know they can live on this planet. Yes, it will sustain life. Now, I
1: feel like around this time they find other people, is that right? Well, it's actually it's a little further on because they get past the uh, the big scarecrows and they see the oasis. That's right. There's these giant scarecrows made up on the rocks. Yeah, and so they go past them and they see like a little oasis. There's some jungle, there's water, and as they walk around, they see people start climbing up on the trees and pulling fruit down. Right, and they're amazed that there's people here. And one of these people is super hot, which is how you know she'll be important later. That is Nova. (laughs) That's how you know she'll be important later, because she's hotter than all the rest of them. But
0: we don't see the people very long before shit happens, and it happens
1: quickly. Things hit the fan. We have apes riding in on horses with nets. Let's time travel a little bit. Can you imagine sitting in a theater in 1968? You know you're seeing a movie called Planet of the Apes. But you're sitting, you're watching these people walk around this planet, you see other humans, and all of a sudden, fucking gorillas on horses, just rolling up. Amazing. Can you imagine? My mind would be blown. It would be similar to when
0: I saw Jar Jar on screen the first time. Wow, that's the first digital character ever, guys. (laughs) That's not a fair comparison. I'm sorry. I take it back. (laughs) Yeah, you cannot compare Jar Jar to the apes. Okay, so the apes are rounding up everybody. They're throwing nets on them. They're creating mayhem in general. They're stabbing people with tridents. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Brick didn't make it out alive. Brick Tamlin, that is. <laughs> that's right.
1: Um, he did not have a
0: trident for this battle. Which is a Dodge. Is Dodge, Dodge the white
1: the, guy? Dodge is the black guy. Landon is the, the white guy. guy.
0: I'm sorry I don't remember their names, but honestly, I only they vaguely remember them. that Charlton Hesson's name is Taylor, and that's only because... The description calls him Taylor. Yeah, like that. And I've read it four or five times, like trying to mine clips out of this movie. So it's like, I it gets ingrained in you. Yeah, I I, I remember the woman's name is Nova. And really, to for all intents and purposes, I remember
1: more apes than I remember humans in this movie. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, Lannon and Dodge aren't characters; they're really more props and story elements along the way. They are like they're there to help the the narrative flow and to show that hey, there's a black guy here yeah exactly because <laughs> he is the only black dude in the movie yeah
0: so which one's the white guy dodge landon's the white landon guy. okay landon i believe is he the one that gets that gets killed immediately no dodge goes down okay immediately. <laughs> of course <laughs> yep okay so i guess since it's slightly a horror movie the black guy goes first <laughs> he winds up going down i think Landon gets nailed with a net but we don't really see his fate. Yeah, he, we just know he's
1: not with Taylor by the time the the chaos has ended.
0: Right. Taylor gets hit with a net. Nova gets hit with a net. Mm-hmm. They drag him off. They take him back. So we now cut to an ape village, and we see this giant village that they fashioned out
1: of. I it's don't basically know, out of a, it's it's like a it's like a pueblo city yeah. in the southwest. It's very similar to that, but like bubblier. Yeah, much like more it's round. Almost like a bubble. Yeah, less sharp corners, more rounded edges. Yeah. It does have a very cool aesthetic to it, the, the, the set design.
0: Is it Zaya the female monkey? Uh, Zira. Zira, okay. Yep. Yeah, so we see Zira is basically I'm trying to think of what she'd be called. She's a Human behavioral Society. psychologist. That's right, okay. So she's studying humans mm-hmm. who don't talk, by the way. Yep, all humans are mute now. And unfortunately, Charlton Hesse can't talk, which because you he just a see him. To the neck. Yeah, he takes a bullet to the neck. It grazes
1: him. That's all. That's why those things were like they're just like science be damned. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make this movie all about the virtues of science, but we'll ignore it when it's convenient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Child and Heston cannot talk
0: now, so yep. they just think he's another run of the mill human here. Yeah, because the humans cannot talk, so she's studying them um, much as Jane Goodall would like study yeah. apes. I guess like that's
1: a, she. She is the Jane Goodall of this world, she, but you get the feeling she's much
0: more trusting of humans than the rest of apes are. Yeah, they? she like, is apes just inherently don't trust them. She's the exception to the rule, so she's studying them. What?
1: She sees that he can mimic her, which yeah, Well, she sees by. him trying to talk, which is her first setup. So she doesn't think it's mimicking at first. She thinks he's trying to talk just from mimicking apes in general. And so she thinks sort of like when uh, we taught Coco, the gorilla sign language, like she's like, oh, we could really make some progress with this. Like right. if, if we can learn how to communicate with humans, this could be huge. So this is also where we we first hear the nickname Bright Eyes, which is what Zero calls him. And we cut on to her. um, (laughs) It's such an insulting nickname. I know. But we do learn that she nicknames a lot of them because there's one she calls Old Timer. Like there's a few others she's nicknamed. And he seems to kind
0: of insulting. too. (laughs) I
1: think he's the only one with the blue eyes that we see. So I think that's how he ends up with Bright Eyes. Eyes as blue as the sky. She basically names people the way we name racehorses. (laughs) (laughs) so she is uh, a lot of this scene she she basically leaves and we sort of see taylor learning about the various casts of the apes and how the things are working just from people coming in and out in the guards talking
0: and surprise surprise a lot like human society
1: yes a lot a lot very similar society very similar
0: it's almost uncanny so at a certain point he still can't speak. He's in a cage and Zero. he he writes, he writes for which right away I'm like, that's ballsy to think that they can read your alphabet.
1: Well, in <laughs> fairness, could. he does have the starting point of he knows they're speaking English cuz he can understand them. Okay. So, he, it's 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 a semi-logical That's true, but jump. it's something
0: I like you're right. You're right. That does make sense. Yeah. It's just a logic leap that I don't make because they always speak English in these movies.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing I think, but, but, but we they actually see,
0: literally sound English. A and, lot of them,
1: and we can see him understanding what they're saying. So, it. And then the other thing is like when you're in that sort of position, like you may as well try writing because best case scenario they can read it. Worst case scenario, you still just look like one of the other crazy humans, so what difference does it make? Do you remember what he writes? Um, I can't remember what he writes. It's something like, Hey, I can talk. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's something like that. And then
0: Nova kicks it with her foot. For a second I thought she was trying to protect him, and then I realized no, she's she has just, no she's idea just what's being going on. crazy. And uh so because but it's nineteen sixty eight because he
1: pushes her off.
0: Well, because it's nineteen sixty-eight, he <laughs> yeah. pushes her off by putting a Like a hand into her mouth hard. Yeah,
1: this is. Smacking her backwards. Okay, I will say this it's fucked up how he hits her, but he does not hit her like. It's hard in the same way that all the hits in this movie are hard. And this is one of the flaws in the movie. The hand-to-hand combat stuff is a lot more like gentle shoving that just knocks people across the room (laughs) more than actual hitting. It's Star Trek battle. So it's like he hits her with the same strength. He hits the apes in some of the fight scene. But when you actually watch it, it does look more like a gentle shove. But let's be
0: honest. It's been a love fest for this movie so far. This is where I got to kind of call it Oh, yeah. This is is where you see like, hey, guess what? It was totally okay
1: to smack your woman around Mostly using this as a chance to piggyback with the other complaint that the hand to hand combat is terrible, yeah. like it's sexist and the fighting is awful. <laughs> You're like, Yeah, that was a problem, but no, no, they didn't you, choreograph no, no. these battles You're well saying, at all. You say, But <laughs> I mean it as, Yeah, that was horrible, and also they didn't choreograph these <laughs> battles well at all. <laughs> You just ruined our chance
0: to get the feminists back on our side. See, we did the black exploitation film last week. I'm trying
1: to get them back, Zach. You're right, we got to get. Well, I mean, here's the thing: we've already condemned Charlton Heston. We, they feminists, you know, we're on your side. We're with you on this one. He, you shouldn't do that. Right? It's terrible. Also, those battle scenes, equally as terrible. Equally as terrible. (laughs) Listen, listen. One is offensive to the human race, and one is offensive to the art of filmmaking. That's right.
0: (laughs) Now, very quickly after this, he's, he's decided
1: he likes Nova. Yeah, he's taking a liking to her. He and really it helps her because he's locked in a cage with her all the time. They're trying to get him to make... Yeah, Zira had put Nova in his cell. She sort of picked up on it. And while they're in there, she she has a habit of bringing Cornelius, her fiancé, and other Cornelius played by... Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she has a habit of bringing people by, trying to show them, like, look, this is a special human. This is not like the other humans. And to varying reactions. Some sort of scoff at her. Dr. Zayas... Zayas, Zayas, that's right, Doctor Zayas. Doctor Zayas, <laughs> that's where they got that from. I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> Doctor Zayas. Um, he he sort of believes that. Yeah, he can talk, but he passes it off as that orangutan. Yeah, sucks. I hate him. Dude. Yeah, I, I mean, know, like he's totally necessary for the, the whole movie. movie you just want to punch him in the fucking face. You're like, oh, yeah, it's fuck fucking you. orangutan face fucking orangutans damn dirty ape if i was racist against a species of ape it'd be it'd be orangutans just because of him <laughs> fuck you orangutans so at
0: a certain point they're trying to remove uh i think are they trying to remove nova from the cage no, no.
1: first before they remove nova the, the thing that comes first is they want to geld him That's they say right. they're going to geld him which i think is like kind of that is castration yes yep they are going to castrate him. So he basically, like, as soon as they open the cage, he tries to take down the apes and he's making a dash for it. Like, he's trying to get the fuck out of here. So it's basically a long chase. He was running all through the town. He goes into a museum. <laughs> he, he goes into a museum, which is, like, looks pretty nice
0: for, like, a playhouse yeah. Like, it's got the whole thing with the the apes, like,
1: going through all the stages that well, mankind went through. And who does he see in the museum in the humans part of the exhibit? I don't remember none other but his friend Dodge. Oh, they've that's petrified right. him. They've put him up as part of the exhibit. That's so he right. stops for a moment to see that, and it just pisses him off more. He keeps running through. He ends up going into a, a, a church service, essentially an ape church, <laughs> and service. and he sees
0: some kids. Yep, some kid apes, and the
1: and one of the by the way
0: apes. that was. All my kids were watching because I promised them I give let them record a little bit if they watch this movie right. Uh So they were like watching, but they weren't totally into it. As soon as I saw
1: kid apes, they're right into the movie. (laughs) It's all it took was a couple of kid apes. So the, he sees a bunch of kid apes. He's trying to sneak around the back of the service, essentially, and come out the other side. But as he goes through, one of the kid apes sees him and immediately alerts everyone to his presence. So he has to make a de- mad dash for it. Manages to escape the church, but he gets back to the town center where he's a, he, he finally is surrounded. They start surrounding him. They've got him tied up. They're, they're holding him tight. And he finally is able to speak for the first time in the film. The immortal line, get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty apes. Yeah. And it's magical. I love that line. Me too. It's Get one of the great. Get paws off
0: me, you damn dirty apes. It's worth repeating. It really. Is. Oh, it's he's... a great
1: line. It is dude. and he delivers it perfectly. And shock and awe in everyone's face because now no Every one can apes face. Yes. They everyone's always face. make
0: sure to say ape
1: Yep. Wherever it's
0: applicable. (laughs) It's true. No
1: ape will ever do this. They talk basically like plantation owners in the South. Like we not white people (laughs) but with an English accent because it still
0: hurt too much in the (laughs) sixties to like own up to the fact that was America. Yeah, we were
1: still a scant one (laughs) hundred years past it, so Yeah. It was too soon. Too soon, guys. Whoa. Lost some some keys. He gets drug off. Yes, they put him in a cell, and they've separated him from Nova now. God damn it! I know. They could have been making some sweet human love. Oh, I know. No more. What a wasted, what a wasted opportunity.
0: So, is this where we cut to the court scene?
1: Uh, yes, this is the hearing.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut to a quick scene in the court here.
2: By your leave, Mr. President, that this tribunal has not yet defined the purpose for this inquiry. You ask for the opportunity to present your case. Surely you must know why you're here.
3: At the very least, this man has the right to know
2: whether there's a charge against him. Objection! This exhibit is indeed a man. Therefore, he has no rights under eight law. Well, Dr. Zira, this is a man, is it not? He is unlike any man you have ever seen, as we hope to prove. Answer the question, Dr. Zira! Is it a man? Uh, sir, uh, perhaps the uh, question is the point at issue. <laughs> um, is he a man? Is he a deviant or a, a freak of nature? Objection. Sustain now, Dr. Zira. In all fairness, you must admit that the accused is a non-ape and therefore has no rights under ape law.
4: Then why is he called the accused? Your honors must think him guilty of something.
2: Which is not being tried. Being disposed of it is scientific heresy that is being tried here well put dr zayas let us warn our friends that they endanger their own careers by defending this animal
1: before we talk too much i want to backtrack a little bit um they strip him naked yes. immediately before this yes. speech, um which it was the second child has, has an, an ass, an ass I had yeah. to deal with <laughs> Um, I do want to backtrack a little bit because we have sort of glossed over a lot of the Corn- Cornelius scenes. But basically, all you need to know about his arc to that until that point in the movie, he's is just he, doing it for the. He gnocchi. starts out. To- he's doing it for for the ape, Noki. That's a huge part. But he starts out tot- totally skeptical and slowly buys more into it until the point where Charlton Heston makes he doesn't believe his story that he flew in on a ship until Char- because they believe flight is totally impossible. So he finally is completely swayed to Charlton Heston's side when he makes a paper airplane and throws it across the room.
0: This scene that I just played, I think, is a perfect representation, basically talking about how we treated black people during slavery. I mean, it, it is like... Chilling how much mm. How mm. obvious it is And I really wonder How many audiences Like picked it out and There's so it.
1: many themes And the best part About the themes Is there's
0: some In the courtroom alone There's two major themes Going yep. on That's the one I played Yes Like the slavery comparison Well that's because the thing That I love Because He's less than a man He's not a man Is mm. he a man Is he a deviant is he Or animal? is he an animal Yep I mean like you have all of the hot button things And the right thing there. that I
1: love about the way this movie handles. Right, right
0: in the era of civil rights. I mean when civil rights was at it's, it's pe- Yep, peak, it's, it's
1: its fever you know? pitch at this point. Yeah. What I love about this is that they handled the various themes and there are a lot of socio-political themes throughout the movie. But they handle them with varying levels of subtlety. So like a lot of the science and evolution themes like they straight up tell you what they're arguing about. But with the slavery themes they hide it in our little. Like there's so many themes they hide them in different levels. So almost as if like they plan for people to watch this multiple times and keep finding more and more from it so
0: the next thing that they do and they touch on a little bit in that speech but they get way more into it and that's more what the courtroom scene is about is they're now going after religion because yeah it's, it's essentially like it's written that you stay out of the forbidden zone he's from the forbidden zone like everything about the human contradicts their belief therefore the human must be eradicated because their beliefs have to hold solid like nothing can shake the foundations of their yes. belief
1: and science is based around these beliefs they are straight up firing shots at religion and how religion affected especially at that time and even still today like these they, these points they're making are still valid today and how religion way, can affect scientific progress when the wrong people are in control and is it wrong to think that
0: like maybe this whole thing was dreamed up by the scope and by the whole thing. I mean, the whole movie is dreamed up by the scopes monkey trial. <laughs> it's very, I, possible. no, I'm not saying it's that it's a possible. joke. I'm yeah. saying that as serious. I it's mean, it's entirely,
1: that's... well, it's important to know because
0: that... evolution plays a huge part in this movie.
1: There, there are essentially three drafts of the screenplay. Like there are multiple revisions and drafts, but the three main writers of the movie who came at it at different periods. First was Rod Serling of the Stylight zone, twilight zone fame. The other one is... The... You can
0: definitely see the influence there.
1: Well, what stayed from... If you from... ever watch old Twilight Zone, just the idea that
0: he goes to a planet where everybody's apes and the humans are like apes, that's like a Twilight Zone episode right there. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, the, you can see each of the three. I'm forgetting the other two's names, which made me feel bad. The, the second writer is the one who's credited, and then the third is an uncredited. And oh, I remember. All they remember about the third writer, producer Zanuck later said that all he remembered about the third writer is that his last name was Kelly. nice but each writer sort of leaves a distinct stamp in that most of the time when you hire a new writer to rewrite a script they'll completely tear down large portions of the script but what you keep from rod serling's draft is the structure so like the twist is his the thematic elements of his the pacing is his from the new the The second script the credited script it's a shift from a super futuristic ape society to a more primitive ape society and which a makes of,
0: for a better tale by the definitely. way definitely
1: and a lot of the dialogue is switched and then the third writer mostly added a lot a lot of punch up and a lot of uh, some of the comedic relief in the film is from the third writer and so now they they go on and they really talk about evolution in this
0: movie mm-hmm. I mean
1: basically they, they say that Cornelius' big hypothesis is that apes are, are evolutionary descendants of man right
0: which flies in the face of, of everything, everything
1: that, and from ape law and, and ape you can
0: religion. really look at Dr. Zayas because he's the one who like seems Dr. to be Zaius, their, their, uh, their leader in well, a lot he, of ways
1: he's the minister of science and the minister of I can't remember what they call it but essentially the minister of religion like yes. he, he holds both titles simultaneously and he believes there's no contradiction between the two right so right you see the the giant problem in
0: this court scene. Now this court scene is really long. It's it's it is entertaining when it's you watch it and- because they're like if you're really listening to what they're saying, they're questioning. You know, what they're the, questioning things in society that weren't just relevant in the '60s, but are every bit as relevant nowadays.
1: The court scene reminds me a lot of To Kill a Mockingbird in that way. Both in the setup of being riveting just through sheer dialogue and and performance and and the setup of it, but also through being incredibly relevant thematically, both at the time and now. Now, that being said, I feel like we hit it in a nutshell already, so we could probably move on. (laughs) We really are hammering home this point. Guys, the court scene's awesome. Dr. Zayas goes into his office and calls Taylor in, Um, and he says, basically, here's what's going to happen to you. I'm going to lobotomize you. We're going to experiment on you, and we're going to kill you. Which leads me, and I don't hit this very often in the show, but
0: how the villain could win yeah how could the villain win here don't call taylor into your office just do it just do it (laughs) just do it you called him in guess what fucking pick up a fire poker and And do it right there the the reason he movie over yep (laughs) guess what your planet doesn't explode in part two if you do it (laughs) right then you could have saved the ape race that you profound
1: profess to love so much now they he fucked up he does say the reason he he brings him in. he says i'm going to give you an opportunity to save yourself i want you to tell me the truth about where you came from and this is where we get the first hints he reveals it later in the film but this is where we get the first hints from dr zayas that for as much as early on in the film he shows himself completely dis- disgusted with the idea of humans being intelligent and he knows that humans were in control in the past. He knows that humans are intelligent, He's and he knows sure what they can anyways, do. Yeah, he, yeah, he he he, be, he has the same theory Cornelius does. He just hit it and and used it for his power rather than going straight out chasing it. Well, and and, and so, so it he flies in the face of of, of all, everything he believes, except for when we that find out that he preaches anyway. Yeah, what he
0: preaches, as what he we believes. know, the
1: preacher doesn't always believe what they preach. Yes. And that's really a theme in this movie. Yes. And and this is the first time we get an inkling that Dr. Zeas maybe knows more about humans than he originally let on. And he sure does. Yes, very much so.
0: Okay, so let, let's just cut to the chase here. So so Zaius basically uh or not Zeus, Zera, uh, Zera hatches a plan with uh McDowell, I don't remember the name, Cornelius. Cornelius and her nephew. Right. Lucius, that, that's right? right. The, the, teen- the teenager with, with a heart of gold. Oh, he's like, great, though. But a fucking fire. Fire he in does. that chest. He's dude. got moxie. He's yeah. got straight up moxie. That's right. So they steal Taylor. They like they steal him from the from the cage, and they go out to the forbidden zone because he said, "I'm from the forbidden zone. That's
1: where I crash." And it's important to note that Cornelius has been to the forbidden zone.
0: He's been to the forbidden zone, even though it's forbidden. I guess it's yes. not all. Well, he that got forbidden. he got per-
1: he got special like one time permission from the Ministry of Science to go out on an an archaeology dig there. And so they go to the the dig site. Basically,
0: Doctor Zayas catches up with them um, yep. with with some troops, but they go to the dig site, and Cornelius shows and proves that the apes came from humans because they
1: show or that the humans used to be talking is what he proves. Well, it's it's um, a really clever scene in that. Cornelius basically shows each level of the dig. Like, this is what we found here. This is what we found yep. here. The first off, what we found was like a talking doll. Well, no, no. They don't know the doll talks till the end of the scene. And that's what makes it clever. Oh, is that that's right. Everything he shows, Dr. Zayas because Doc, uh, Taylor makes Dr. Zayas promise that if they can prove that humans were here, were intelligent, had a society first, Dr. Zayas won't try them. Cornelius shows all the things he's found during the dig at different levels. And he says, so here's where we found some pieces of civilization, rudimentary tools. But as you go further back in time, the tools get more complex until you find this. And he shows this doll. And Zaya says, well, I've, I've, I've seen children play with human dolls all the time. And they don't find out until later when uh, Nova starts playing with the doll that the doll talks. And so Taylor looks at him and says, now tell me. Doctor, because Dr. Zayas has been able to say to everything he's shown so far, you're just speculating on what it was for. I need hard evidence. So when the doll talks, Taylor is able to look at him and say, tell me, doctor, why would an ape create a talking human doll? That's right. It's a very so, it's a great moment. In, it is. It's a and, really and cool and you moment. You can
0: see in,
1: in Zaeus' prosthetic ape face. <laughs> which by the way, those prosthetic apes face, especially the time, like they work really well. It's amazing the range of emotion they were able to pull off through that much latex. Yeah. It but, really is an impressive achievement. But you can see in his face that um
0: he knew. He clearly knew. He was just but he was he was towing the line. He was covering up as much as he could possibly cover up. So he lets
1: them go, essentially. And the teenagers, I, I, how did the teenagers? Well, no, like, no.
0: the, the he doesn't nephew. let
1: them go. A second wave of troops comes, and that's what pulls them out because oh, they hear right. the gunshots. Okay. And so everyone runs out, and there's a whole wave of troops, and it starts a firefight that only ends when Charlton Heston is able to get a hold of Dr. Zayas and hold a gun to him and force him to command everybody back. And he essentially says, we've got a hostage now. And we've got a hostage now. <laughs> 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 and so he makes his demands. He wants enough food and water for a week for both him and Nova. He wants 50 rounds of ammunition, and he does not want them to follow him. And if that happens, he will let Dr. Zayas go.
0: And Dr. Zayas tells him, that he'll
1: let him go, but he's not going to well, like what he sees. Yeah. Well, the best part is, according to this, is like he wouldn't shoot him, and Doctor Ziggler, oh, he would absolutely shoot me. And this is where he leads his revelation. He's always known about humans because of one of the passages from the ape scripture that talks about how human will destroy everything for their lust and their greed and their their thirst for power and they're better off being pushed back into the jungle or jungle or eradicated. And And he says, this is, I have always believed this and I will always believe this. And nothing you've shown me today proves that this is not true.
0: And I, I do want to, to circle back to that after we're done with the movie, which is Mm -hmm. quickly approaching. So now Charlton Heston gets Taylor gets on his horse. He gets Nova on the horse. They go down the beach and they see in chilling fashion Slowly, you see a reveal of the Statue of Liberty and the beach, and you hear this. I mean, honestly, even if you haven't seen this movie, you listen to it anyway. God damn you. God damn you all All the the hell. hell. Uh, You know this clip, but we're playing it anyway. Oh my god.
2: I'm back. I'm home. All the time. finally really did it you maniacs you blew it up oh damn you god damn you all to hell
0: this is probably the fifty-third time that I've heard that. <laughs> Still, fucking get goosebumps. Listen, look at that. Can I get it, it. too. I yep, got goosebumps. Right Listen, I see. Him.
1: Now, here's what I love because, about this scene.
0: Okay, everything we talked about is relevant, but it leads back to the opening scene, which is humanity turned on itself. Mm-hmm. There was obviously nuclear war, mm-hmm. which was not a theme, really, yes. until you get to the end. But it
1: ties in with all the other things. Exactly. Themes. It ties everything. There was together. a
0: nuclear war. They destroyed everything.
1: And that's how the apes wrote. This is about as perfect as an end. Okay. So before I say this, the the thing that I really love about Heston in this scene is that for as hammy as he is through this movie, just through the dialogue, he sells this moment perfectly. But you can't see it because you're listening to an audio podcast. And once again, dude, it's you see his face, hammy the dialogue his the, the the way he delivers his Hamley, but in his face like the disappointment and the disgust and the rage rings so true like it is one of his like greatest he moments just in, acting left in time
0: for them to destroy everything exactly i mean that's essentially what he's discovering
1: yep and okay so circling back to well what a- actually one thing i was going to say is that okay what makes this ending a perfect ending is that not only if in a vacuum, without all of culture that's come since this movie, in a vacuum, this is a type of ending you don't see coming. But all the clues were there from the beginning, and it ties the all opening the, dialogue. It ties it's all the, the right plot. there in the opening dialogue. It ties all the plot points throughout the film together, and it ties all the themes together, and it just about as perfect bow as you can get. Like this is as far as endings go. You'd be hard pressed to find one that works on every level as well as this. Ending. It
0: works great. It's shocking the first time you see it's it. Shot beautifully. Yep. is great. The pull-in of his face when they show the Statue of Liberty. Like, just, just a couple of points.
1: Linda Harrison. Just enough
0: to know what it is. And then just the pull-in of his face. And
1: just, like, the shock and disappointment. And it's even just, in this scene, Linda Harrison doesn't never gets a lot of credit for this movie as Nova. Because she doesn't talk. And she's really not all that good in the scenes where she's expected to play emotions without talking. But her the way her her, just her natural resting face is basically it gives this sense of like she does not understand why he's freaking out like he is and that really adds a level of poignancy to the scene like to someone who doesn't know what he knows she has no idea what this means or what it symbolizes but it breaks her heart that she's seeing him so torn up by it
0: now I want to circle back to a couple of things we talked about earlier because I I think that this scene like is needed to explain a lot of things one of them is the scarecrows Mm -hmm. obviously like the scare crows look like people that are just like
1: thrown up onto these they look like people who've been sort of yeah they look like people who've been sort of like they're about to be quartered they've been drawn the quartering is coming
0: Yep. And that's so obviously that's there to stop people from seeing the Statue of Liberty because that's like a dead giveaway that people were here first. Right. Now, the other thing is when you talked about Zaius, um really going after, like, I believe
1: humans will destroy everything. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen nothing. He's right. He's, yeah. He's seen, he's, he but, didn't witness it, but he's seen human, he's seen the evidence that humans will destroy everything because and they have destroyed did. everything. Right.
0: But on top of it, it's the hypocrisy because this the ape apes society, are going down the same path. Yeah. This ape society well, actually, is
1: human society. This is what I love about the hypocrisy within the characters is that it really does show a metaphor of even when you understand the history. The you other can see is always coming, scarier. You can't stop yourself from repeating the same mistakes.
0: It's and it's the other yeah, like the, the other. other you always, always have to fear the other and like the apes walk that line. And that's the thing to me is like you see these apes. And it so mirrors like human society, mm-hmm. <sighs> like they're so primitive. Like we look at them, like they're primitive. How they get this smart? Yes. Like no, that's what happened to us, and that's the point the movie's trying to make: is that we're still primitive at, at our core. And, if we, and don't, if we don't reform our ways, we're in trouble. We're gonna destroy ourselves if we don't ourselves. learn from
1: the mistakes we've made. We've gone, we're too far gone.
0: Now, amazing movie. Now, this is what we think about it. Now, going back to nine-year-old Alex, I can't interview myself because I don't have a spaceship that'll go back in time to, to <laughs> the 21st century and ask myself these questions, but I can't interview the kids who watched it with me. So this is just a quick little clip of, of what my kids thought of the movie and what they thought the movie was about. Tell me what you saw in the movie.
4: I saw this bad guy, and they shooting a... Guys, right there, and he couldn't talk anymore. He was like like, like that. This is the four-year-old boy. He by couldn't talk, but he talked again, and he's like, I he's like, he was swimming under, right on the underwater, and he come back up. After that, he said, he said bad words.
0: Okay, Jade. Then what happened? Then this eleven-year-old.
3: He um. He couldn't talk. One time, he he he. Um, people got him stripped naked and showed his
0: butt and his
3: white. <laughs> um, and he and then he, he they were riding weird horses and he said, "When are you gonna take me to the tunnel down, Huh? Right now." 10. And then he, the, girl, the girl couldn't talk, and I asked Alex so many questions, but why couldn't he talk again?
0: Alright, Christian. Then what happens? The twelve-year-old.
3: He like the bad guys were shooting <laughs> the um good guys, and the dude was hiding behind a rock and shot him off the Check one, two, hill. And <laughs> when at the end of the movie. He blew blew up his home and it was Statue of Liberty so he was living in New York City. I knew he was living in the earth.
0: Okay. Uh, Saran, what do you think the end of the movie meant?
4: uh, It said like bad words and and at the ending of it it was over, but um, in the movie they were sweeping down the hill and like they felt they went in water and they, in the, right, oh, there was that thing that sank in the white? Like, that was good.
3: Water? What do you think
0: it was about
3: Jake? Um, I think it was like, about, like, the ending, it was about, um, it showed a statue of liberty, but then he said, beep, you blew it up, beep, and he said a lot of cuss words, um, and he, um, he went, he said, I knew it, I knew it, why you blow it up, you,
0: okay, and then, yeah. What do you think the ending was about, Christian?
3: i think the ending was about like he didn't know his home and i think maybe he found out the humans got turned to apes and like they blew it up and he didn't he he figured out he's living in earth again and he just like
0: who who blew it up?
3: um the monkeys that um the boss
0: who do you think so blew it up, Jade?
3: Oh, the he was guy, really with the orange there. shirt right, suit, or the yellow one?
0: Do you think he blew everything up?
3: Yes, and he, he I think that, they, that's why, because he, um, he, um, he said, I don't think you're gonna like what you see there. And then the girl monkey said, Why? Okay,
0: who do you think blew it up, Siren?
4: Remember that gorilla, the. Not monkeys or gorillas because I'm um, personally gorillas like blow up, but it. it was a like one the, uh, the yeah, the yeah, the yellow suit one. He blew, oh I don't even
0: remember
1: yellow suit. <laughs> no,
4: back to you, Zach.
1: Oh, hey, thanks for th- I like getting thrown to, I feel like a <laughs> professional. <laughs> I do like that. Now they didn't quite catch the gravity of what the ending meant. However, they didn't. But however,
0: he He was was so close close. until the end.
1: Now, however, I do like their idea that Doctor Zayas like went out way ahead of time, put up a prop of the Statue (laughs) of Liberty, irradiated the soil, blew everything up, just a fuck with a, on, just on the off chance a human would come that he could fuck with. Like, I love that idea of the movie. The Dr. Zayas is essentially a sociopath
0: <laughs>
1: leaving clues to fuck with humans. Now, this is the thing.
0: I feel like I had a grasp of it when I was nine, but you know, I probably was somewhere around where these cats are.
1: When I first but saw That it-
0: being said, now keep in mind, this is a movie from 1968. Like, this is an old movie. Dude, even my kids love this movie. They really enjoyed it. And there's a giant courtroom battle in it. And they still
1: enjoyed it. I'd make an argument that this is a damn near perfect movie. Yeah. Like, especially considering the time, like... This is as close to perfect as a science fiction movie can
0: get. It it is my favorite science fiction movie. I don't know if I'd have to think, but it's definitely among Uh, my favorites. Let me rephrase that. It is the best science fiction movie I've seen. Maybe it's not my favorite, but it's definitely the best and it's close. Because it works on just
1: a pure entertainment level. It works... On a thematic level Like it works on so much It works on a structure Like a film Like the structure And creation of film level. Like it works so well There's one thing I want to mention Is just With the existence Of Rise of the Planet of the Apes And the upcoming Dawn of the Planet of the Apes And I do think They got those titles backwards But that's a story For another day <laughs> I think they the first one Should have been called Dawn and the second Rise But whatever I do like... Now... You're right. There's you're right. all these moments in Rise of Planet of the Apes, like the, the monkey, the Caesar's mother is named Bright Eyes. Like there's all these moments that are put in there as fan service and I know... You know what? We got to
0: go back a little further for a second. We got to go back a little
1: further. Let's just talk really quick about okay. the sequels. I have three beers in me. Can I just get this point out before okay. I forget it? All right. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Because that is a very likely possibility. Okay. So the only thing is I understand that the new franchise takes place in its own continuity. It's not supposed to be in the same continuity as the old. It's, it's a reboot. Mm -hmm. And I understand that all those things are put in there as fan service but if you were to watch rise of the planet of the apes, as if it's a prequel to planet of the apes, like if you only see those two movies, it really does add to the themes of the original planet of the apes yes. in that it really, it really builds on the sense of this has all happened before and it will all happen again. And we it see happened the when... rocket go off with Taylor and exactly. uh, rise of the planet of the apes. Yes. Yeah. So if you choose to view them as part of the same continuity, like it really does add a whole lot to those movies in, in that it, 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 it doesn't add anything new theme-wise, but it emphasizes the themes in a really clever way. Now, I want to I want to give a little bit of lip service to the sequels, because they're not
0: on Netflix. And some of them are worth checking out. Some of them probably aren't. I I'd get a feeling now that all I've watched the original. Once. Yeah, I'm probably going to run through all of them. But uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes is part two. Yes. Um, my friend Colin Corbett, who's a great guy, like he... I hated that when I originally saw it as a kid because I was like, they're just redoing the first one, which a lot of it is. But then the end is so good mm-hmm. because the end is essentially like they go underground. Like, OK, so there's a new scientist who's been launched in the future. Yeah, right? it's Brent, the same- right? Maybe I'm pretty sure it's
1: no. John. Brandt. It's not Charlton Heston. I no. remember that he. Well, he's sent there for the sole purpose of trying to recover Charlton Heston, which is team. crazy because it's in the past. But all you would need is just like a, a document saying, "Hey, in two thousand years, check in on these dudes."
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but he goes.
0: He goes through pretty much the same experience that like Charlton Heston does. But then it continues, and he winds up like going underneath. There's humans that have. Survived and I guess evolved, but they they have like
1: telekinesis. Well, they're mutants. They haven't evolved. They they sort of. You're they, right. They're, they evolved. Evil mutants. It's basically a branch of humanity that sort of evolved parallel to the mute humans. Yes, and uh,
0: they worship straight up worship a nuclear bomb. Yep. Which like was completely lost on me as a kid. And when I watched it again with Colin, I was like, oh yeah, that is kind of cool. And they're singing church songs to the bomb and stuff. Uh, and we see Charlton Heston stuck in, in the cavern like he got nabbed by the mutants when he's in the Forbidden Zone. So the very end of the mu- movie is like they're in a giant war. I think, don't the apes come out at some point yes. during this battle? So there's a giant battle. Heston gets shot. He like leans, which is funny because the second you see Heston, which is like in the last 20 minutes of the movie, he becomes the main character of the movie, yep. which is but still it's weird. Yeah. It's a weird shift to like have the main character and just be like nope it's the guy from the first one. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets shot he like leans down on a lever and basically like blows up the entire world. So now there's a third planet of the Apes movie. How do they do that? Time travel which yep. we've established they could totally do. So Zara
1: Zera and, and Cornelius, they basically dig up they dig up Taylor's ship and use it to travel back to the past. Just coincidentally, they
0: did it like yep. <laughs> right before the world blew up. So they go back in the past. They become celebrities in modern day 70s America. Yep. They give birth to Caesar. Yep, they give birth to Caesar, and then oh shit, at some point, like they they let it slip that like the earth becomes talking apes and uh-huh. that, and that people put it together that the humans are wiped out they're now afraid of the apes so they, they basically like put a hit squad on Zira mm-hmm. and, and uh, Cornelius they kill both of them but Caesar survives and Ricardo
1: they- Montalban takes care of him
0: now, what's the fourth one called? Um, because
1: one is Battle of the Planet of the Apes, it's and planet, another one, Battle. Some is it is Conquest four or five? Conquest is the fifth one. Okay, okay.
0: so Battle for the Planet of the no, Apes. No, Battle is two. No, no, no,
1: beneath the planet. No, of the no, Apes it's yeah, you're right. It's beneath. Yeah, so Battle must be four. Yeah. It must be Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Yes. You know, I can check this. We have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we have the means. Okay, it's Beneath, Escape, Conquest yeah. is escape, Four. So, Escape is where
0: where they go back in time. Yep. Es- conquest is Four, Battle is Five. Okay, so in Conquest, like Caesar basically, basically, now this is when I feel like, and once again, I haven't seen him since I was a kid, so maybe I was missing a higher meaning, but I feel like this is where we get diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Really? Maybe to an extent from from two to well, these the movies first one's the best. Clearly,
1: are basically actually I think four and five, or th- maybe even three, four and five are essentially the Star Wars prequels of the Planet of the Apes franchise. Like They do explain
0: how you got there.
1: Yeah, like they they serve a story purpose, but they don't work all that well in the process. Yeah, they don't work in the process, but they do serve a purpose. So basically,
0: monkeys are kept as slaves, Mm -hmm. and and, and, uh, it's somewhat futuristic. And then Caesar rises up and says, no, and that starts a giant war where the apes rise up against humans. Then And I don't know if I even finished it as a kid But in Battle for the Planet of the Apes It's like humans and monkeys are riding together And I honestly can't tell you what that one's about I don't remember (laughs) There's something going on But it seems like that's sort of where they're going with the newest one Which I had seen the trailer The trailer trailer looks so goddamn good The trailer looks badass Now if it's a steaming pile of shit And you're going back and listening to this I apologize (laughs) But right now you gotta understand that When I saw the Tim Burton one, I was so fucking let down. Uh I was so in on like, yes, I can't wait. And when they did that big reveal at the end, like he goes, Marky Mark goes back in time, Uh and uh, there's apes everywhere instead of humans. I'm like, fucking come on, dude! What a lame ending that was. What? Just do the original
1: one. Why? That was a terrible ending. Yep. Is awful. The ending really, because I do think for as bad as that movie is, there are some good moments within it. But the hey, dude, overwhelming I was
0: sexually attracted to an ape in that movie, <laughs> and they still ruined it. The O, oh. <laughs> I was. I was kind of attracted to Helen Bonne Carter in <laughs> ape form. I'm sorry. There's some primitive part of my mind that really enjoyed that. I I don't want to dive into that psychologically I'm just gonna let this know that it happened
1: I'm just gonna let this slide and say that for as bad as that movie was there are a lot of good moments in it that are that are Charlton Heston as an ape handing a gun to another
0: ape it's amazing
1: (laughs) there are a lot of this is the key there are a lot of great moments or not a lot but there are a few really cool moments in that movie I won't even say great either I'm gonna backtrack from both a lot and great and just say there are a few really cool moments moments in that movie that are completely overshadowed by how shitty the new ending is
0: yeah um, it it wouldn't have been a terrible movie if they'd nailed
1: yeah. the ending. Honestly, it would have been a mediocre to okay movie.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't have been as good as the original, but it would have been. It would have been. Yeah, exactly. It would have been good enough, and it would have been an okay bridge to the next one if they yes. landed the ending. That's the thing they had to reboot again and yep. skip an entire. But I'm so
1: glad they prequel. did because Rise of the Planet of the Apes is so goddamn. I'm going to
0: go out on a limb, and I am going to rewatch the prequel, so maybe I'll recant this on the internet later. Which, by the way, uh, you can like real roulette with Zach and Bakes we're on Facebook not only can Go ahead and you like our page we we talk about all the movies in depth we play funny clips occasionally
1: like- I do stuff
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> once
1: in a blue moon
0: yeah, I'm kind of the I'm kind of the captain of this
1: ship like I just keep it sailing over. I'm not, all the I'm time. not good at Facebook. I'm yeah, just not. That's fine. But I will say you can like us and you should like us because it's good for my ego. <laughs> and we will be like hammering the planet of the apes stuff yes, when this heavy heavy comes out.
0: That trailer is Well, back from the trailer. So Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I did not expect good things from. I watched Me either. I watched the commercial It looked like a flaming pile of dog shit, and I still had the The bad taste
1: from the Tim Burton movie. The biggest mistake they made in the marketing was putting out trailers and commercials before the effects were finished. Yeah, dude,
0: they totally fucked up. It only made half a billion dollars. (laughs) I know, right? It literally
1: made half a billion
0: dollars. (laughs) That was the thing. Me and my wife were not into it, and I heard so many... this This is where... Look, I know people like to rip on critics... But this is where the critics made me see the movie because I read so many positive critics who were like so surprised that they liked it. When you read that that movie. I finally convinced my wife to go to the theater
1: because I was like, you know what? Maybe it's good.
0: When and that many people, was
1: it good, when dude, that it's many a people are backing movie. it, you have to check in, and it's so goddamn good. And they fit. In I would the say it's the second best one. I one hundred percent agree. Like the, the original is
0: number one. I would say that that Rise is number number two. two, and I don't say that lightly. No, it is. It is a beneath could be there if they didn't redo the entire first movie in the first hour. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it's not just a great Planet of the Apes movie. It's not just a great science fiction movie. It's just a plain old great movie, which is the same quality that makes the original Planet of the Apes so great. And by it's not the just way, great you Planet probably
0: the saw James Franco and you're thinking this is a James Franco joint. No, nope. this is an ape joint. Dude, yep. this, this is, is an, an Andy Circus joint up yep. in this bitch. This is an ape prison movie that is fucking badass. And we're only saying all this because it's not on Netflix. Yep. Like, you know, we're, we're covering this all for you so that you can... Because we have no danger of drawing this movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'm looking at the trailer for Rise of the Planet of the Apes and watching them ride horses. Like they look so those so. Apes you know how so I can
1: realistic. tell you're on the same page as me with the titles because you just called the new one Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Why would you not call Sorry. the first one Dawn? No, you're it right. It just makes right. sense. I, I said it before. You're right. I'll That's my one flaw with the first movie is they put the titles backwards. Okay, so do we have any other Planet of the Apes talk, or should we? Should we? Um, the only thing I want to say, just a little tiny bit of trivia that's really interesting to me, uh, Linda Harrison, who plays Nova. This is really the only thing she's known for, but she does have one other sort of claim to trivia fame, and that she was the first woman to portray a live-action Wonder Woman. She was in a. Really, she was the star of a failed Wonder Woman pilot. And eight years later, Linda Carter took the role when they revisited it. Dude, and Linda Carter
0: had the Chetner chops
1: for the role. (laughs) But you can still find out there in the wild west of the internet, you can find the Linda Harrison Wonder Woman pilot. You know what? If I can find it, I'm going to post it. I was
0: thinking the same thing. I'll post it on this page. So don't worry. It'll come up sometimes. You won't have to find it. That's another reason to like our page, motherfucker. If you
1: like our page, you don't have to find shit. We'll find it for you. (laughs)
0: That's right. I have not much of a life. I watch kids, and then I have a computer on in the background. Like, that's what I do. We record in my attic because, like, I have no life This shit's a job. That's right. But it may, it means you get to spend five minutes watching it and laughing at it, and you don't have to, like, search it out. Exactly. It's worth you it get, to not go to Google. You get all the reward for none of the risk. That's right. <laughs> and drop us a line. You know what I mean? Okay, so now we're at the part of the show where we... Talk about what movie we're going to do next week, which almost feels like a letdown to me. I know, right? <laughs> I'm excited for the next podcast. Don't get me wrong, but, but n- not as excited as normally. Exa- whatever movie we get next will not be as great as this one. Yeah. We start out by guessing what we think was the scores for Rotten Tomatoes. I am going to say 95 I am going to go... Because I think there'll be enough snarky people, like modern
1: people, that'll knock it down. Well, I'm going to go 87 because the snarky people you mentioned also, especially in the 60s, there will be a contingent of critics who are just anti-sci-fi in any form. So that, so I'm going 87. So what do we got? The score is 89%. Nice! Ah, god damn. So that's
0: a total of 8 off. Yes. So we'll go 8... We were on sci-fi fantasy, so one, two, three, four, five, six. So we're on documentaries.
1: Ooh, Dude, I love we're a good we're new ground again. Okay, so now... The budget. The budget. Or, or wait, is it the budget or the gross? I, can't, it's, I can it's never remember. It's the budget. It is the budget? Okay, hang on, because I had the gross to memorize, but not the budget. But I, oh, luckily... Oh, maybe it is the gross. Well, do you want it to be the gross or budget? Because I have... I can have I think both think it's the budget. Right okay, well, hang on one second. Okay. And the budget was 5.8 million. So let's so round we'll that to six. six.
0: Yeah. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So we're on foreign documentaries. Ooh. Hitting the foreign tip again. Now I was going to say, I don't know what you're feeling, but I felt like since
1: there's eight Planet of the Apes. Holy movies, shit. I was going to say the magic number should be eight for the ape okay. movies in the franchise.
0: We're on the same wavelength on this. Okay, so next year we will be doing Happy People... Wait, next year? Sorry, next episode we'll be doing Happy People, A Year in the Taiga. This documentary explores life along the River Yenisei in Russia where the industrious inhabitants of a rural village try to live off the land. It's starring Werner Herzog. Oh, Werner. And it's created by Dmitry Yezivakov and Werner Herzog. Vanader, and it's from it's 2010 up. so that'll be our we'll do a
1: documentary next week you know what I love is that both times we've gotten foreign we end up with Russian I know which ties into the we mo- translate in Russian and Google exactly <laughs> it ties into the long running Montucky skies trend of Russian being our main 40 foreign audience <laughs> it's like we're catering to you guys and we don't have any Russian listeners yet that I've yet. looked at so oh they'll find us they need to find us we're <laughs> using their movies now <laughs> I mean, it's a random chance. Can you say but... the name of the movie again real quick? No, because it's off of my, it. My, <laughs> life is, my, peep, my life is a people. My people. Shit, I can't remember of it. All right, hold on. Happy people. Happy people. Okay, I'm not in love with the title of this documentary, but it does sound like something I'd be interested in because I always like to hear about parts of the world that are sort of I understand intellectually, but can't really conceptualize. So this is exciting to me. I don't know if I'm on fire
0: for this one, but I'm 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 going to give it it a chance. I'm praying it's subtitled. (laughs) If it's not subtitled, we've got a real problem next week. (laughs) (laughs) We will be talking a lot about cinematography.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess all we can say about this is... Get your stinking paws on some popcorn and I'll see you on damn dirty Netflix. Actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them.
0: A Not Safe for Network Podcast
1: take that O.E., you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege of mm-hmm. experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. No. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's gonna do, you're like, oh wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because of the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache, bad news. There's something about him that's not Something's right, and the characters pick off. up on it right away and they lock him away. <laughs> you know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache, and when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness
4: and just all around wrongness and weirdness. The alien movie
0: project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. <laughs> the two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. <laughs> I know, they're the best. Like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. i oh, yeah, that punching... about getting Salmonella punching that bag.
1: I think he might have... Given that punching bag, Salmonella.
0: Well, every now and then it's insightful. Find us on iTunes.